A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast, bringing you fun and soulful interviews with spiritual teachers with the aim of tuning you in and lighting you up with your host, George Lizos. Lightworker, welcome to another episode of the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Before we get started with today's episode, I'm excited to tell you that my second book, Lightworkers Gotta Work, the ultimate guide to following your purpose and creating change in the world is out now and you can order it globally on Amazon. If you feel the call to help make the world a better place, but you don't know where to start finding and following your life purpose, I wrote this book for you. It is packed with processes, rituals, and meditations to help you turn on your light and get it to work so that together we create a better world. When you order the book, you also get a two-hour live masterclass with me entitled Life Purpose Bootcamp, during which you'll get to find and define your life purpose in a specific two-paragraph definition. And you can visit georgelizos.com forward slash lightwork to get all the details. In today's episode, we're talking all about the spiritual meaning of insects. Yes, you've heard me right. I said insects. And I want to start with a question. Are you afraid of any specific insects? Personally, up until recently, I had an irrational fear of cockroaches, which, according to my podcast guest this week, it means that I have unnecessary fear. Many people are creeped out by bees, spiders, scorpions, and more. How about you? Also, what about the bugs we happen to like, such as the praying mantis, butterflies and ladybugs. What is it about them that we're attracted to? I don't know about you, but I've personally never actually considered the spiritual meaning behind insects until I chatted to Michael Anthony. In this episode, Michael and I talk about the spiritual meaning of small spirits, as Michael calls them, as well as the spiritual insights behind the ones we're most and least attracted to. Whether you're bug obsessed or totally creeped out by them, I guarantee that your perception of insects will completely shift by the end of this episode. Specifically, in this episode, you're going to learn the spiritual meaning of bugs in general, how to connect with the spirits of insects, what your most feared insects say about you, and how to work with the energy of bugs for spiritual growth. Michael provides guidance on bugs such as earthworms, scorpions, moths, the praying mantis, spiders, cockroaches, and more. 
When you're done listening to the episode, come on in and join your Spiritual Toolkit Facebook group and let me know. Which bug are you most creeped out by or what's your favorite bug? And what do you think that means about you? I can't wait to hear from you. And without further ado, enjoy this episode with Michael Anthony. Michael Anthony is an intuitive reader, spiritual life coach, and creative from thedivinerlife.com. In 2012, after many years of synchronistic events, Michael decided to accept his calling as a spiritual leader. When he's not in a one-on-one client session, Michael shares his healing work through his membership community, Club Divine, his podcast, Let's Be Omnist, and his social media platforms. Michael describes himself as a word lover, spiritual entomologist, and seeker of magic. Over the years, he has channeled these passions into the creation of several oracle decks, including the Diviner Definitions Oracle, the Small Spirit Oracle, and others yet to be announced. Michael, welcome to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here because we're going to talk about a topic I never thought I would talk about, which is a spiritual meaning of bugs and insects. And arthropods, is that the right way to define them? Yeah, arthropods is probably the most broad term you can use only because sometimes, you know, more uh, scientific uh, people, people who are in the actual science industry are going to nitpick if you just say bugs or insects with some of the things that I work with. But for the common like person, it's bugs we're going to talk about and the spiritual significance behind (laughs) them. But before we dive into all of that, I want to hear about your spiritual journey in becoming an intuitive spiritual teacher and starting to work with the spiritual meaning behind arthropods. Yeah, that's a really good question. And, you know, I find that the longer I'm on the spiritual journey, the more I start to shift that perspective of where it truly started. Uh, The deeper I get in, the further back it seems that my journey started. (laughs) So I grew up in uh, the Christian church, and I grew up in one of those Christian churches where it was very charismatic. We were encouraged to share a prophetic word. We were encouraged to uh, speak to the congregation about what we felt God or the Holy Spirit was saying to us. So because I grew up in that environment, I was already kind of on that border edge of mysticism. Uh, and then eventually, you know, I kind of went off on my own path. I started studying world religions and theology. I was always fascinated with what the rest of the world was doing because I knew Christianity was fairly new uh, in comparison. And I actually stumbled across someone who was an angel therapy practitioner through Hay House. And I thought that was really interesting because it was still angels and it was still kind of Abrahamic religion. So maybe it was something I could do. Uh, So my true like new age metaphysical path really started there. But then the more that I talked to people and the more that I met with other readers and they read for me, they all went back to the same point in my life. And it was when you were a kid, you used to hang out in the woods and you were in the dirt and you had this spirit guide that would hang out with you while you were in the, in the woods. And I always thought that was super strange because why of all points in my life would you always bring up me being a kid and playing in the dirt and being in the woods? And eventually I realized that It was in that space that I really connected with the earth and connected with nature. And I would have little chit chats with like the ant communities that were 
building their little mounds and I would talk to the bees that were flying by like, oh, please don't sting me. You know, like I would have full conversations with them. And for me, I think that's really where I realized that like earth-based, nature-based spirituality was for me. And I let go of it for a while because, you know, the world teaches you stay inside, be clean, get out of the dirt. And so I went away from it, fell into angels and Christianity, but nowadays I'm right back into the dirt. You're owning it. And you're calling yourself a spiritual entomologist. Now, I've never heard this term. I'm pretty sure you created it and you owned it. So tell us a little bit about what is a spiritual entomologist. Yeah. So for people who may not know, uh, entomology is the scientific study of bugs or insects. And I... I'm someone who loves the science side of things. Like I know that in spirituality and science, there always seems to be these interesting connections that people really are just calling two different things. So instead of trying to find spiritual entomology books or books about bugs and religion, you know, it's very easy to find things on like scarabs in Egypt or, um, there's like stories of spider weavers in a lot of North American indigenous cultures. So instead of trying to find books specific on that, I just read entomology books, things by evolutionary biologists, naturalists, scientists, and all of them reference these people called cultural entomologists. And those are how bugs influence the life of people. How do they influence the way that you build your government? How do they influence art? And so I was like, hmm, cultural entomologist still doesn't feel right. And so I just kind of, I don't know if I've coined the term, I haven't found anybody else who says they're a spiritual entomologist, but for me, it just felt more specific so that people don't think I'm studying Renaissance art or trying to change government policy through the use of bugs. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. You should definitely trademark it. I love that. Now, there, there is so much written about the spiritual significance of different animals, excluding bugs, unless they're beautiful like butterflies. But again, beauty is a matter of perspective. And you're bringing a whole new light on how we perceive bugs. And I want to touch on this because... Personally, I'm a person who doesn't like bugs, not because I don't see their value. I, I find them unpredictable and they kind of come from everywhere and my perfectionistic controlling nature does not go well with them. And I know this is a deeper fear and they're here to teach me something. And I'm like, that's why I'm doing this episode because I want to open myself up to understanding more about bugs, to learning to appreciate them and see them from a spiritual perspective and also to like, collaborate with them in healing my own self. So is there a spiritual purpose to bugs, to arthropods? Absolutely. And what is that? (laughs) That is such a heavy question. There are so many ways that I could answer that. But I think uh, in my study, the one thing that I come back to is you use the term value and you used the term uh, perfectionist nature. And when I think of bugs, I actually would totally associate them with those two words. Because when we look at the arthropod world, right, they make up about 84% of the animal kingdom and rising because there are thousands of new bugs discovered every year. So that number just keeps ticking up and ticking up. Uh, And if you were to remove, you know, some of the larger animals from the community here or there, 
you know, the earth would still survive, humans would still survive. But if you were to remove just a handful of those insects, the world may not survive so well. Like the actual environmental stability of the world is not going to do so well. And so their value is extremely high because they are the caretakers of the earth. They are ensuring that our air is good, that our earth is good, that the food we eat is good. So their value is extremely high, first and foremost. And I think once we realize the weight of responsibility and burden that these bugs and insects carry, the more we realize, you know what, even though we try and keep them out, they really are still coming in. They're affecting us, their energy comes in. And if you care for the earth, if you care for other animals and humans around you, and then you look at a bug and recognize, you know what, they're living too. They are a living, breathing being. They are part of this earth. It really helps you connect with them more. So when it comes to, uh, I believe your question, I'm sorry, <laughs> I got a little excited about environmental roles for a second. Your question is, um, do they have a meaning? Do they mm. have a purpose? So spiritually, I believe that bugs are some of the oldest creatures on the earth. And so their energy is very pure. It's very ancient. And I think that there's something in that that we can learn as far as getting back to what humans really should be. You know, we, we've evolved to a point where our mind has really stepped in and said, you know, what is this? What is that? It's taken over everything. Busy minds are a very tough part of the human existence. Uh, but bugs just wake up and they have a purpose and they go about their day and they do their task. And if you can slow down and watch them and study them for a minute, not only are you having to focus on maybe what their spiritual message is, but you now have to get out of the busy human world and zoom in on something so small that you're required to slow down and be mindful. So I think that their purpose is truly to bring us back to where we started, to bring us back to something simpler um, before all the crazy human stuff <laughs> stepped in. They really are so valuable and we don't stop to think about it because we associate it we associate them with so many things that annoy us, like mosquito bites and tick bites and earthworms destroying our houseplants, speaking from my own experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like the, um, the spider bites and all that, like so much fear around it. Um, why do you think many people are afraid of bugs? Uh, so... Without going into, you know, like the psychological standpoint, because there are obviously some really intense yes. fears out there. Uh, I think that it's a matter of not knowing them. So I read something by uh, an evolutionary biologist once, and I'm totally not going to remember their name at this point. But they pointed out that some of the bugs that we do appreciate, uh, for example, like the praying mantis is one that is really popular in the spiritual community. One of the reasons that they believe that we associate with them and maybe not a spider is because a uh, praying mantis has features that we can recognize within ourselves. So mm. they have like a face that looks very human. They tilt their head in curiosity. They have, you know, the same arms and limb structure almost to us. And there's something about humanity where we look for similar traits in another being that we can associate ourselves with. And then that makes us feel comfortable. It makes us feel safe. 
when we look at uh, regular house pets, dogs, cats, we see some of their emotions. We see them get sad. We see them get excited. We don't get to really see that in insects because they are so small. Personally, I see them sometimes. You know, I, it's, it's just a matter of taking an opportunity to connect to them. But when you can't associate with it, uh, it makes it a lot more difficult. You know, you're not going to see an ant smile at you. You're not going to see a spider get excited to eat. And if you do, you're probably terrified because it's a, a carnivorous animal. But um, yeah, I think it's just about lack of association, which is why I always go back to it's living, you're living, it breathes, you breathe. You are one in the same. And this is just such a reflection as well about what's going on in the world right now, that, that we, many people are afraid of people who are different than them, and therefore they, they judge them or they exclude them or they discriminate them. It's uh, basically a reflection of what we're doing, of our relationship with bugs. And yeah. we can certainly learn a lot about ourselves and about human psychology in, in the collective by studying them. That's so fascinating and something I've never uh, thought about. Yeah, I actually, one of the biggest things that I've noticed in my journey with them is the more you work with small spirits, and this is across the board, every single person I've introduced to them has come to this conclusion on their own, is that once you can learn to work with them and appreciate them and love them almost, <laughs> you realize that loving your fellow human is not as hard mm. because you've taken the time to understand something so vastly different than you something so small. And then when you look at something of equal size and of equal opportunity and lifestyle, you're like, oh, wow, you know what? Color, language, religious background, that is so human, it doesn't even matter. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. <laughs> oh my God, exactly. And I'm wondering whether the certain kind of bugs we don't like has, have something to say about us. Therefore, does the fact that I don't like cockroaches, for example, mean something? Does it reflect an inner part of me that needs healing? Is that the case with the bugs we like or not like? I really love that you specifically chose the cockroach because <laughs> uh, I have a deck coming out called the Small Spirits Oracle. Yes. And in the Small Spirits Oracle, the cockroach stands for unnecessary fear. Huh. Specifically because of the training that you've had throughout your life to be conditioned to fear something. Mm. Um, so if you don't mind, I'll actually use the cockroach as an example as I talk about Go for fear, it, yes. Perfect. So scientifically, co cockroaches are what's called negatively phototactic, meaning that they have a negative response to light. Their survival instincts say, if you see light, you're going to die. You have to run the other way. As opposed to moths, 
for example, who are positively phototactic, who think, okay, light means survival. If I see the light, I have to fly towards it, which is why you have these weird polar opposites in the two. So if you think about cockroaches who are about, people always say, oh, if there's an atomic bomb, they'll live through it, they're survivors. Uh, if you think about that idea of survival and then this idea of running away from the light, you get this generational line of fear taught to cockroaches of, if you go near the light, you will die. If you go near the light, you will die over and over and over for generations. And I think that's the same with people. You know, for generations, we've been taught that certain insects, certain creatures mean death or sickness or illness or some sort of issue. But how long has it been since you've truly had an interaction with a bug where it caused you death or illness or concern? Um, so I'm, of course, not saying like, let bugs run free in your house, right? There's, it's very obvious scientifically that some of them still cause concern. But I think that this fear that we have is a, a lot of it just like what we're taught, you know? You're taught when you're a kid, if a spider runs across the ground, you scream, you yell, you jump on the couch, you hit it with a broom and you sweep it outside. Like, that's just what you're taught to do. But how many people have taught you it's okay. It's not going to hurt you if you don't hurt it. Have a conversation with it. Catch it in a cup. Bring it outside and let it live. Right? There's entire cultures in India, for example, there's a religion called Jainism. And they're a very large portion of their practices. They do not disturb a single living thing, bugs included, to the point where some of their nuns even sweep the street with peacock feathers to prevent themselves from stepping on any bugs as they walk. Oh, wow. So, there is parts of the world where it's being taught and they love the insect world. Uh, they take extra precautions. They do certain things around their home. They wear certain things. They, you know, use their water a certain way. There's so many practices where if it's just what you're taught, suddenly that fear goes away. Um, so I do think a lot of it is cultural. Uh, and sometimes I do find that people who have an un- uh, like a subconscious fear of something without truly being taught that that's when the spiritual side comes in of, mm. you know, is there deeper work you're doing? What lesson can you truly learn from them? Uh, it's just a matter of slowing down and asking them like, Hey, what are you here for? What do you do in the world? And maybe that's something that I can learn. From. Oh, definitely. And I can definitely personally relate to what you're saying about my fear of cockroaches. Now let's talk about spiders, which is something many people are afraid of. I personally love, I have a spider living right there <laughs> and she's been sleeping there for a while. I'm like, I enjoy her company. So what do, what do spiders mean spiritually? Uh, spiders do have quite a diverse range, uh, depending on obviously the individual spider, uh, if they are truly a spider, because some arachnids are not spiders. Huh. That's a whole other tangent <laughs> that will go down. Yeah. Uh, but spiders are really a lot about creativity. They are about the way that you choose to present yourself in the world. Um, so for example, I think my favorite right now is the uh, the Black Widow. And I think I love her so much because she is one of the more intense or dangerous spiders. But she's a really good example because she shows up in the world where uh, you may have a lot of power, you may have a lot of voice, uh, but people may fear you for that voice before you've even spoken up, before you've even tried to use it. You may be 
uh, someone may be afraid of you for it. And they encourage you to keep showing up, to come out of the shadows, to live your brightest life and express yourself, even if other people may be afraid of you at first. Um, and then there are other examples, of course, like the daddy long leg, which is one you might really like because they represent the divine masculine. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, they are one where they are actually not a spider. They're just an arachnid because they don't have certain features. And one of the reasons I love them is because they represent myth uh, turning into legend, turning into uh, perception. So people think that daddy long legs are these super poisonous spiders, that they are really just too small to be, uh, I'm sorry, venomous. I'm getting better about using venomous versus poisonous. Uh, And really it's just this myth that has been passed along for a long time. So there's this question of, is it truly bad? Or, uh, you know, is it just what people have been saying about it? And it's choosing Mm. to accept those layers upon layers of things that have been said about it over time. So spiders really truly are about um, the connection between us and the world around us and how we choose to interact with it. And on top of that, they have a really beautiful layer of creativity. How interesting. And how about like everyone's worst kind of bug, which I think is the mosquito. <laughs> uh, so mosquitoes are one, being a Floridian, so I live in central Florida and mosquitoes are <laughs> everywhere. Uh, they are one that's um, been interesting to work with because they are about, um, if you're familiar with tarot, I've been connecting them to like the seven of cups. Yes. So they are about a, like illusion uh, and almost deception a bit so their message is a little tougher because they ask you to pay attention to things that may be causing you harm or may be causing you discomfort without you noticing because mosquitoes Mm. when they bite you they actually inject a numbing agent first so you don't always notice that they're there so first they numb you they suck out your blood and they fly away and you'll sometimes notice until afterwards so it's this question of are there things in your life that you've allowed yourself to grow numb to? And if so, how can you start bringing awareness back to that so that you can stop it long before you get hurt or uncomfortable or put in a bad situation? Gosh, we can learn so much about ourselves just by noticing which bugs are attracted to us, right? <laughs> I know. It's crazy. They show up for me all the time, which yeah. sucks for how some about, people, but for me, I'm like, yeah. How about the ones that the bite can be detrimental in the long term, such as ticks that may cause Lyme disease. Yeah, so again, I I certainly don't encourage people to go out and start playing with bugs that they are unfamiliar with um, and certainly not ones that can cause you harm. So if you don't know, it's better just to stay away and work with them on like a spiritual meditation level. Um, But, you know, again, like I said, even with the mosquito, with ticks, for example, there is still a message there about the shadow sides of life Mm. so you know in in some uh light worker communities in some spiritual communities nowadays people may try really hard to just focus on the bright and beautiful the butterflies the bumblebees the dragonflies (laughs) but you know things like um ticks one of my favorites surprisingly enough um has actually been the scorpion is a huge one for me uh because they have this lesson about the tough parts of life and how you can utilize those to evolve because insects and arthropods are evolutionary superheroes. They have lasted a long time. And when you look at the message from that point of view, when you look at the harm that may cause the 
the, the things that they endure or the things that they do to survive, it's really an empowerment statement um, in some cases where it's really like, you know, if you've been through this tough stuff, if you've experienced this, you, it, look at this insect and look how it's chosen to take that and use it against the world. Hmm. Um, yeah, so scorpions, for example, like I was saying, they, they are super venomous in many cases, but there's this myth about scorpions uh, being immune to their own venom. So if, a, because there's a way that they move where it looks like their tail is stinging them, but they're not actually stinging themselves, it's just visual. And so for me, that lesson is the venom that has been applied to your life, the tough parts you've been through, the tribulations you've experienced can eventually become medicine. The same way that if you think about like flu shots, they use the, um, the illness to create the cure. So scorpion is that same lesson of like, what has hurt you is now your medicine. What you've been through is now what you heal in others. Uh, so I think there's an empowering message behind any venomous creature if you, you look at the way it reflects in you. Oh, definitely. And I've just been reminded that I've just come back from a seven-day trip in Greece where I, I temple hopped around different ancient temples. And I went to Delphi, which is the cult center of Apollo. And there is a spring near Delphi, an ancient spring called Castalia Spring. Castalia was a nymph. Uh, therefore a fairy mm. related to Apollo. And that, that what was the spring supplying water to the, um, the Delphi, uh, the oracle of Apollo. And I was, we were warned, we, we decided to wake up at 5 a.m. and go meditate at the spring, but we were warned that it's full of scorpions. So be mm. careful. So I find it so interesting how the God of light, Apollo, can have this darker side of scorpions with, with which what you're saying right now represent the shadow side of life, which is mm -hmm. very beautiful to recognize that with light also comes darkness and it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just a matter of allowing it to come into the light as well. Now, I wanna talk about earthworms now. I've had an experience. I've had this beautiful uh, money plant, a crassula plant. And I overwatered it because I'm too caring. <laughs> and it created thousands, not thousands, hundreds of earthworms that eventually ate it up and destroyed it. So I'm traumatized. Mm. What does that mean? <laughs> this is a really great example of things you don't like and the lesson that it's supposed to yes, teach you. Yes, indeed. And I know that this is true because at the beginning of the call, you said that bugs bother your perfectionist nature. Yes. The message of the earthworm is uh, loud and clear and quite obvious in my opinion. It is, do not be afraid of the mess. They are teaching you to embrace that not everything is going to be perfect. And in that imperfection, you find perfection. Look at nature. Trees do not grow in any certain perfect pattern. Uh, the grass does not grow in any certain perfect pattern. The dirt certainly not perfect. And the earthworms live in that and they choose to move through that environment in such a peaceful and beautiful way that ends up bringing more life and making room for creativity. And they are dirty and gross and slimy, I will admit it, <laughs> but they, they are like these free roaming, very careless beings that just want to be in the earth. So if your houseplants specifically are what's getting kind of shaken up, it's probably an invite for you to step outside and maybe see a wild plant 
and experience nature in its more natural wild sense instead of allowing yourself to get caught up in like, I'll experience nature at home. It's fine. I have some houseplants. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a message I had to learn. And thank you, Earthworms, for teaching it to me. Now, I want to talk about your new deck that's just come out, the Small Spirits Oracle cards. Can you talk to us about it? Yeah. So the Small Spirits Oracle deck is designed to introduce people to the small spirits world. It was very, very difficult to narrow it down to just 50 cards because there are so many individual insects that require deeper attention. But I knew that diving into a huge deck with very specific things was not going to be the way to introduce people to this world. So it really is, like I said, just designed to introduce people. Uh, it comes with a full length guidebook breaks down as much as I could possibly fit into a traditional guidebook. And I start off writing that guidebook by welcoming the adventurer and saying, welcome to the small spirits realm. It's a totally unexplored place that you've probably never been, for, been before. And I just invite people to be curious and to meet these insects. So I have this whole meditation at the beginning. I invite you to make yourself super small in spirit and just imagine that you're no larger than like a blade of grass and just walk into almost like a city of small spirits and take the opportunity to greet them and say hello and ask them questions. And I really want people to use this deck in a way to say, if you're not gonna go out in nature and start poking around in the dirt, that's fine. You don't have to do that. You can sit at your table and still connect with these energies the same way that you would any other spirit animal. So it's really just an invitation. Um, and I have plenty of other projects that we plan on doing uh, once this, once our Kickstarter has passed and those decks go out and everything is running smooth. <laughs> I love it. And the illustrations just look absolutely stunning. I like the combination of black and white with colored illustrations. They're just so beautiful. Hand-drawn as well, uh, which is amazing. Uh, who is the illustrator? Yep. So uh, one of my best friends growing up, her name is Hannah Lee. She's the artist and illustrator for the deck. And she's also the co-founder for Small Spirits Studios, uh, where we're not only going to do spiritual stuff, we're going to do some more things based on in environmentalism and really teaching people to cohabitate, live a greener life, uh, because we want to make sure that the earth is here for many generations. To I come. love it. I love it. And where can people uh, get the deck? Uh, so they will be able to purchase it on smallspiritsstudios.com. Uh, once our Kickstarter has ended and the deck is then available for purchase again, so it'll be late summer that it's available on our website. Perfect. Michael, thank you so much for introducing us to the fabulous and miraculously beautiful world of the small spirits, of bugs, of arachnids, of, uh, of insects. Uh, where can people get in touch with you and work with you? Uh, so if you specifically want to talk to me about bugs, insects, arthropods, uh, you can find me on Instagram at small.spirits.studios, or you can head over to our website, smallspiritstudios.com. Uh, if you want to talk to me about some of the other things I do or bugs as well, you can find me on Instagram at thedivinerlife or at thedivinerlife.com. And we'll post all of that information in the show notes below. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you for listening to the Lit Up Lightworker podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at George Lizos to grab your free Lightworker survival guide and catch the next live episode.